0: This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from episode 10, our discussion on pediatric and adolescent Naffold and Nash, plus, from the vault, conversation 15.3 from season 3, in which Louise Campbell, Naim Al Corey, Marcelo Kugelmas and I discuss issues surrounding pediatric NAFLD as they arose at the 2022 Chronic Liver Disease Foundation Conference. This conversation introduces the issue of the increasing prevalence of NAFLD and NASH in children and teens. The key points that emerge from this particular conversation are, one, the pediatric and adolescent fatty liver disease, not just NAFLD, but NASH and even cirrhosis, are present in random populations of children at surprisingly high rates. Two, these trends were increasing steadily over the 10 years before the COVID pandemic and have probably increased more rapidly since then. Three, part of the reason for the increase is tied to diet, both increasing levels of food insufficiency and increasing availability at home and in schools of cheap, highly processed, high-calorie, low-nutrition foods. And four, among children, we, we may be talking about 5 to 10% overall with fatty liver disease. Among adolescents, this number rises to somewhere between 17 and 25%, including a bunch with advanced NASH and even cirrhosis. One key point emerging from this episode is that the effects of the fatty liver pandemic will be with us far after we've begun to implement new drug and lifestyle interventions for adult patients today. This is a big issue with far reaching long term implications. So sit back, listen, digest, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Let me just start by noting that this podcast has never done an episode on pediatric and adolescent. And at this point, I've lost count, but we've done 170 something episodes. So uh, that's a lot for this topic to have lagged that long. Every time I've wanted to do it, something's come up this urgent. However, here we are, and I think this is appropriately urgent. As the global pandemic of Naffled grows, so it grows in, in pediatric and adolescent. The population estimates are way, way higher than they were just a few years ago. Some of that may be better methodology, but I think a lot of it actually is probably a change in the reality of the situation. If you look at the diets that kids eat. And the idea that no one gets as much exercise as they used to just to start, you have some pretty powerful social factors to predict that those numbers will go up. Then on top of that, we have everything else we're looking at. Today, I'd like to spend 45 minutes really going through this topic. We've got some great people to do it with. And I'd like to start just by talking a little bit about prevalence and incidence and what the numbers are estimated right now, rate of growth, and what you folks who work with this see in those statistics or trends that people should be paying attention to.
1: Rohit
2: Kohli. It's a really important point, Roger. You mentioned that it could be that the environment's changed. I tend to agree with that. If you look back into the 1900s, we definitely did not have the environment in terms of easily accessible, low-cost, high-calorie foods, especially processed foods that we have now for our children. And when those are available, not just in the home, but also at school, it multiplies the effect. And what we've seen is not just increased identification, which I completely agree can be part of it. It's also, if you look at controlled cohorts, there's a very nice study that was published a couple of years ago by a lead author Sahota in Pediatrics, which is the official journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they had a controlled cohort, Southern California Kaiser System, and they followed the same cohort from 09 through 2018. And the incidence rate around 1,000 went from 36 to 58 in the same cohort with the same docs, same geography. You would imagine mostly the same population base. So I do think that there is an increased incidence. Why? We can all conjecture, but definitely there's an increased incidence. Jaren in Schottenberg. This is interesting, Rohit. You're mentioning Kaiser which means it needs to be coded. And I think there is an increase of coding, which means the numbers are probably higher. In pediatrics, on top of that, I think, you know, my disclosure is I'm an adult physician. I don't see anybody younger than 16. The obvious codings are the ones that come in cirrhotic or HCC. Now, those are the cases we are coding as an adult physician, unless you are in a practice where you're really screening that, and that's like only a handful. So in in the pediatric arena where you have fatty liver, and I don't think most cases advanced, there's probably even more of a gray I'm not sure what your take on that is or how we can extrapolate to the true numbers. If you go even further back, back in 2006, Jeff Schwimmer actually did a much more finesse study to establish the prevalence at that time through biopsy studies. And he didn't go around biopsying children, but it was an autopsy study done on children who had unfortunately met a demise with a motor vehicle accident. So it would be, of course, completely random event, agnostic of who you are and where you live. So looking at that, there was already a very high prevalence of NASH and fatty liver disease completely agree, during that Uh, NASH would be the smaller component under that umbrella. So about 10 to 15% of those children had NASH, bonafide inflammation and or fibrosis. And actually about 2 to 3% had what some would call on, on pathology, but not on imaging, cirrhosis. So I think there is a component of susceptibility in the population where you overlay this highly dense, cheap nutrition of processed food and high sugar that we have all around us, the milieu, and you end up with children who have not only NAFL but also NASH and cirrhosis. So,
0: Rohit, I was thinking when you said 2009 to 2018, the the two time periods that are etched in my mind are 2008, 2009, and then 2020, 2021. 2021, obviously the pandemic, which is about food and also about exercise. But 2008 and 2009, the Great Recession, from which a lot of segments never really recovered. So I've always believed for exactly the reason you said that this is a disease that should go hand in hand with food insufficiency. Because food insufficiency is what drives people to all these cheap, high-calorie, low-nutritional value foods. So if you have what one in eight Americans right now is defined to live in food insufficiency, there's a higher number among kids. It's not surprising that you would have pretty rapidly growing rates and that those would be two periods where things would jump up a little bit.
2: It's very interesting you bring those up. Definitely geopolitical events such as those make an impact. But there's been a slippery slope all along. I mean, the 36 didn't get to a 58 incidence. Every year along that timeline, there's been a slow and steady increase though we do have data from the pandemic which needs to be investigated further as published along the endocrinology pipeline where having had COVID-19 infection has been associated with increased incidence of diabetes and beta cell dysfunction and therefore again hand in hand with other metabolic disorders like fatty liver disease probably so much more work needs to be done but I do acknowledge the geopolitical events you're talking about.
1: Name Alkoury I completely agree with Dr. Koli. I think there is increased incidence you know what we estimate is the prevalence is probably around 5 to 10 percent in pediatrics. That early data from Jeff Schumer from San Diego was around 10 percent. There's some more recent papers, other geographic locations, uh, New York State, for example, maybe lower, you know, 5, 6 percent. But once you go to adolescents, now we're talking about maybe 17 to 25 percent of adolescents with fatty liver disease. And uh, the key is to understand this is not just NAFO. These kids actually have NASH and uh, many of them have significant fiber fibrosis. Most of the case series on the prevalence of NASH and fibrosis come from academic centers. Obviously, they had a biopsy, so there's a tendency to overestimate. But as Dr. Coley mentioned, I mean, I've seen patients with NASH cirrhosis as young as 13 years of age. I'll never forget I had a patient at the Cleveland Clinic. She was 13. She was heterozygote for something we call alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. So she has something called MZ phenotype, and she progressed to cirrhosis proven on biopsy by the age of 13. So I think it was... you know, the combination of a genetic background, but the fact that she was severely obese, she had obstructive sleep apnea, prediabetes, dyslipidemia. If you looked at her medication list, she was on metformin and statin and she had a CPAP. So this is the reality. And we've published, uh, it's been uh, almost a decade now, I think 2014 or 15, a case series using the United Network for Organ Sharing, UNOS, looking at liver transplantation in adolescents and young adults. This is a group we call AYA. And at the time, we found about 330 cases that were transplanted before the age of 40, uh, including 20 that were transplanted for NASH before the age of 18. I mean, obviously, you know, compared to the adult numbers, this is still good. But the fact is that the disease is starting earlier, and these patients are at risk of developing cirrhosis in early adulthood. There is actually a follow-up paper showing that if you look at these uh, young adults between 18 to 40, that NASH is the fastest rising indication for liver transplantation. So definitely concerning statistics.
2: And now back to Roger.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded the conversation or send an email to questions, We'll be back next week with another innovative and inspiring conversation. Until then, stay safe, surf on, we'll see you on podcast. Bye-bye now.